G'day, welcome to Inside Parliament, a weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering on One News. We're coming to you from the legendary TVNZ Beehive studio at Parliament. I'm Benedict Collins. I'm Jessica Much. And thank you very much for being with us. Yeah. Hey, first of all, we're going to have a look at the story I did uh, earlier this week, looking at Ray Avery. Mufti days and sausage sizzles. That's how Bluestone Primary School in Timaru raised $2,000 for a life pod. We could opt where it went uh, in the world, and we actually opted for it to go to the Pacific. They thought it was sent two years ago. Today they found out it's still not there. I think the children now will start to wonder uh, just what they can believe. Uh, so uh, disappointing all round for our parents and, and the students who raised that. I do think he has let us down and possibly others. Clive Beecham gave $10,000 to the project three years ago for four life pods. Schools all around the country have got on board too. And it will go to Fiji, OK? And in Fiji it will help save the lives of little kids. And maybe one of those kids might grow up to be a mini-me and go on and change the world. Now Sir Ray is sorry if he created an impression that life pods were actually being deployed. He says he should have been clearer, the money was being spent developing and testing the technology. Maybe we haven't explained that whole process to people and I apologise if, if they've misinterpreted what we're trying to do. Three years ago Sir Ray was saying life pods would be saving babies' lives in the Pacific from January 2016. In 2017 he made a commitment to Fiji to deliver 50 of them starting in February this year. As of today, there are still no life pods in the Pacific. And we have missed deadlines. And, and the only defence that I can give about that is that we're an organisation that only has a bookkeeper. So we have to rely on people donating their time and services to get things across the line. And he's clarified the claim that life pods will save one million lives. It wasn't rubbish numbers. It was, you know, it's still rubbery, but it's still possible. Well, Sir Ray, I just would hope that uh, those life pods will still be made and distributed and sooner rather than later. Now there's a new deadline. February. This time he promises they're really on their way. We genuinely believe that we could deliver these at certain points in the time. But now we know that we've got there. You know, we've got it. We've done all the certification. The standards haven't changed. We're ready to go. We've handed over the keys to the company in Chennai, India. Well, that would be great if I could get assurance that that was the case. The charity's register says it has never received a complaint about the Sir Ray Avery Foundation. Yeah, so this was a, um, a story we sort of did off the back of um, the newsroom coverage, the website newsroom. They did a really in-depth look at the life pods um, that Ray Avery has been working on for a number of years and the claims around that. Now, um, quite a few years ago, I actually did a story looking at um, the claims that were made when Sir Ray Avery was made the New Zealander of the Year around uh, his work with intraocular lenses um, and sort of looking at the claims there that was, was sort of wildly exaggerated at the time and sort of raised questions around that. And now we're seeing the same thing here, here with life pods. We're seeing year after year, Sir Ray coming out and saying, hey, they're going to be out in January next year. They're out in, you know, oh, next year, the year after, and they still haven't come to the market. Yet, yet the promises always remain. And those claims around, you know, these life pods saving a, a million babies, you know, uh, are still there. So sort of quite an interesting sort of look at these inventions that aren't getting off the ground. What do you say to people out there who'll say, oh, look, he's just trying to do his best. Um, obviously, it's delayed. What's the counter to that? 
Yeah, well, I guess it's all kind of blown up over the, um, all sort of correlated with the Eden Park concert as well, you know, and a lot of people are saying, oh, well, Helen Clark was opposed to the concert, so this is all a like Helen Clark versus, you know, Ray Avery kind of thing. But, yeah, I think when you're going into schools and you're telling school kids and, and you're, you're, you're raising money off children and you're telling them that these life pods are going into the islands and they're going to be saving babies' lives, you need to be upfront with them, you know, and if you know, he, he's saying he didn't mean to be giving that impression, yet we've got footage of him saying, you know, this life pod here is going to Fiji, we're going to give you photos from it. I mean, you know, I just think you've got to be really clear with people that, you know, this this technology is not ready for manufacturing yet, it's not going into the islands yet, you're hoping that it will, but, you know, but to be making those promises that it's going to be delivered, you know, I don't think so on. And listening to some of the interviews you did with people, these aren't big fry companies, these are schools doing sausage sizzles, these are kids that are um, running for charity, these are people scraping together fundraisers, mufti days, things like that, and and donating what they can and thinking that that money will buy X amount of pods. And yeah. several years later, people... They were uh, stunned to realise that these... That they weren't the, there. That the life pods had not been sent to the Pacific. Um, you know, they were clearly under the impression that they had been sent because they got to choose that, you know, that it was going to a country in the Pacific. Um, so, you know, they really felt misled. And, you know, looking into um, some of the other schools that have been supporting these life pods, I think back in 2016, there was a, a young guy who ran the Auckland Marathon. And I think he was 16 or maybe 17 at the time that he ran the marathon. And he raised 4000 bucks and he gave an interview to his to his local newspaper saying, oh, you know, this is great. Two, I've raised enough money for two life pods to go um, to Tonga. You know, th- that just hasn't happened. Yeah, and I just think it's one of those stories we all uh, know Ray Avery, Sir Ray Avery. We, um, he's, he's someone who's um, got a lot of attention over the years, obviously mm. very high profile, and um, there's that trust that goes with that as well. What was the poignant bits of the interview um, Erica Wood, one of our um, Auckland yeah. reporters, did um, a really strong interview. What bits stood out for you that didn't make it into your story? Was there, were there any moments that you um, that you thought were, were quite poignant? Yeah, I, I thought it was a really interesting interview. And I think you've had so much media coverage of Sir Ray's inventions that is, you know, just universally positive that says, you know, he's going to be saving the million... Uh, you know, the million babies, there's very little sort of, any very little scepticism. You've got a lot of the country's, you know, most trusted leading journalists, you know, supporting the, supporting this cause. It was really interesting just to see him sort of challenged, I think, you know, again and again, where is this technology at? You know, what's the problem with it? Is it really going to be coming out next year? You know, you've, why should we believe you now? Because you've been saying this for, for, for years on end and it just hasn't been happening. Um, yeah, and to have people, who, you know... Um, that, that we also talked to, you know, um, in, a, in an earlier story, you know, people who have been working on the technology around the life pod, sort of raising questions about whether it's going to make it out to the market in the end as well. Yeah, just, just good to see, you know, people challenged on the claims they're making. Yeah. Well, another um, big thing that dominated the political landscape this week was the National Party Conference over the weekend. They had 600 party faithful all gathering with um, a lot of blue flying around. So um, have a look at my story on this. Simon Bridges, leader of the National Party. Time to step things up. This video is all about getting to know Simon Bridges and discovering his hidden musical talent. Went to Oxford. That's where I met Natalie. Fell in love with a lefty. First step was to become an MP. 
Everyone thought I was mad, but I did it because I cared. National is doing well in the polls, the highest ranking party even in opposition. But its leader is struggling in the polls, lagging way behind Jacinda Ardern. I hope you like the video. And the drumming, actually. So he brought in his family, his deputy. We will not let them divide us. And his former leader, even if John Key isn't used to the new signage. Um, well, he, he, he's the face of the future. The former Prime Minister always rated highly in the preferred Prime Minister stakes. If he wasn't connecting in a way that uh, was resonating with New Zealanders, our party vote numbers would be going south in a major way, and they're not. You've got to give people a chance. He brings um, fresh blood into the leadership. We are all very happy with him. There's not a lot of people may know him as well as, say, we do. Simon Bridges used the conference to launch new policy. I will deliver smaller class sizes. But there are no details and it's an old Labour policy. They may have said it, but they didn't do it. Jacinda Ardern choosing today to announce via Facebook she'll be back at work in a week. We'll be hitting the ground running, as I know everyone will expect us, um, expect us to do. So another first ticked off for the national leader. He'll be hoping this support translates to the outside world in the next round of polls. So I think one of the important things that we just need to get out of the way before we carry on um, is the hidden musical talent of the leader of the opposition. Um, didn't realise um, quite how cool he was being able to play the drums. Um, for anyone who has a yearning to see more of that, um, here's another taste of Simon Bridges. Ever since I was a kid, I was always in a hurry. Places to go, things to do. Dad was a minister. He instilled values, honesty, integrity, compassion. Mum raised six kids. She taught us how to make a dollar go a long way. I paid my way through uni with odd jobs, gardening, stacking shelves, waiting tables. Graduated with honours, went to Oxford. That's where I met Natalie. Fell in love with a lefty. But we met in the middle. Now we have three kids. Love them to bits. Gave up a top job in a law firm to become a Crown Prosecutor. Everyone thought I was mad but I did it because I cared. For eight years, I saw the best and worst in people. I saw the best and the worst in the system, and I wanted to change the laws. First step was to become an MP. Everyone thought I was mad, but I did it because I cared. Beat Winston and won my seat in Parliament. Got promoted to Cabinet. Got my shot at changing the law, and I'm proud of the changes I made. Here I am today, Simon Bridges, leader of the National Party. Time to step things up. So obviously there, he was trying to sell himself. That's what mm. this conference was about. And we had the policy there um, about the smaller class sizes. Did you Fizzle. think that, yeah, uh, it a just, bit flat? Well, they didn't have any details. You ask, yeah. what, what are the ratios going to be? Can't tell you. Um, two and a half years out from an election, probably um, a smart thing to do, but you can't sell a policy at a conference without having any detail. Yeah. We saw Labor try and do that in opposition with various things, and it just It's hard it's when you don't have the experts to rely on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hard when you don't have staff in opposition. Yeah. Um, but I did think, though, that Simon Bridges' performance was way more polished um, than 
I've seen him over the last few months. Um, those set piece speeches, we we see them in the house all the time, which yeah. is different. But um, he was a lot more confident um, than he was right at the beginning, and less stumbles. I mean, none of us. It's difficult. It's hard public speaking, but we have mm. high standards of our leaders, and he wasn't great at the beginning and you can see those roadshows kind of paying off a bit for him yeah did you obviously have the chance there to have a bit of a chat with um national party supporters what was what sort of vibe did you get from them how are they feeling pretty angry i guess at the way that things play out Mm. they feel like they've been robbed that winston peters robbed them so there was a bit of um winston peters hate there yes and also really interesting i think that when you go along as the media contingent when you go along when they're in power welcome um sit down what can we get you in opposition it's just a slightly different vibe as oh you guys haven't got the tone quite right or oh you're not getting the commentary quite right so it is really interesting going like just the switch in the two different conferences and um the tone and how they the media are either friend or foe not so much from the politicians of course but Mm. from the from the members of the public but the other thing talking to people they were all towing the line about, I mean, obviously they would, but all towing the line about Simon Bridges, giving him a chance, um, you know, seeing what he's about. And they did have 600 people there, right. which is kind of unusual when they're not in power. Like, that's quite a big audience. And, and quite far away from the next election. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder yeah. whether sort of the anger and frustration with not being in power as mm. the biggest party kind of motivated supporters to get out and come along. And but they're all a bit, I mean, they're quite strange. Did any of the supporters sort of have them on about, you know, why they're not in power, how they didn't manage to get across the line, or was it? Yeah, there wasn't really, I didn't get that sense. There were yeah. some closed party, some closed yeah. meetings that were to the party, so I feel like the airing of dirty laundry would have happened <laughs> there rather than in our yeah, presence. Unfortunately. Uh, yeah, 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 really yeah. annoying. Um, also interesting that um, Bill English wasn't there, but John Key came along so he skipped one when he was overseas but now is back and it was quite um unusual seeing him again in that setting because yeah. you doing stand-up again and yeah doing and <laughs> you know because we asked yeah. him to but it was <laughs> funny you know he comes in and he's standing in front of a um sign of Simon Bridges for the last decade it was a sign of him so yeah. um and even just talking to him again you um you know we've interviewed him for years and years and you know his rhythms and you know the way that he's going to answer things. So it was kind of interesting going back and interviewing him again and, um, you know, it's just just the same, really. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah it, was inter- yeah, it was interesting having him there. I think the, the policy side of it, three years out from an election, we did struggle. We had the charter schools announcement on the Saturday as well. That wasn't – that was a – um, a bit of a loose policy as well, just saying that they're going to expand charter schools. So I feel like their main focus for this conference was about bridges and brand bridges yeah. and doing all of that. I mean, they had his kids come up on stage. There was a really cute moment where his eldest came out and did this um, wave to the audience and then they all laughed at him and he went, <gasps> and then hid behind his mum. So it was one of those things that, you know, I'm all, all confident, yeah. poor little kid. But, did, you, um, did you have a highlight from the weekend? Um, what was the highlight? I guess it was quite good to be back with the big, with that big rah-rah speech. It's always, 
interesting politically um, to get that mood and that energy, I think. Mm. So that that was kind of our main focus. It was around lunchtime on the Sunday um, and kind of felt like it built up to that. And they do all the political theatre. They do it with all political parties, with the music and the things. Maybe the video. Maybe the video was the highlight. Um, the I'm not sure. But it was. I think it's just good to get out there and talk to... Yeah talk to MPs in a more relaxed environment and talk to party faithful as well. So yeah, yeah. it was interesting. Mm. Very interesting. So what other stories have you been doing this week? So why don't we have a look at this one? This was on the um, Provincial Growth Fund and Gloria Vale applying for funding. Check this out. Gloria Vale's application to the $3 billion fund is already on Shane Jones' radar. I wouldn't want to knock out any particular application until we had all the facts, but the reality is that um, that particular organisation does represent something of a morality play. And the bid is now raising eyebrows elsewhere too. Not even the good Lord himself could deliver a blessing as bounteous as Shane Jones with all his gullibility and a billion dollar checkbook. They've set themselves up on the coast as a you know, curious little isolated place that wants to have nothing to do with the world. Well, then what are they doing asking for the world's money? That's what I'd like to know. Look, it's not clear to me how New Zealand benefits from uh, giving money to a closed community. Gloria Vale's spokesman declined to comment about the application to the Provincial Growth Fund when contacted by One News. The business ministry is also tight-lipped. But One News understands Gloria Vale is seeking many millions of dollars for its new health food company and factory on the West Coast. A former Gloria Vale resident called for the group to be up front with the public about how their business pitch would benefit New Zealand. And if it does, great, then I'm, let's go for it. And if it doesn't, then let's put a cap on it. Operating as a charity with tax benefits, Gloria Vale has amassed more than $35 million in assets. But it's also mired in controversy, including allegations of sexual abuse within the community. Gloria Vale comes with a whole lot of baggage and the government cannot be comfortable. Nothing would surprise me uh, with the way that this fund is going at the moment. It's outrageous. I'm not surprised that we will get from time to time um, applications where we'll have to be very, very um, sensitive. The government says it will consider the application in good faith, but it will also take into account Gloria Vale's reputation with the public, whose money it's now asking for. Yeah, so an interesting one there. Yeah. Um, Gloria Vale, the, the closed community, um, you know, with a bit of a notorious reputation, they're applying for the um, Provincial Growth Fund. What? How do you think that's going to go down with the public? Well, I think people need to realise that the Provincial Growth Fund is designed to um, boost regions in yeah. New Zealand and yep. um, pump money in. Shane Jones has a billion dollars, um, this pot of money that he's dishing out. Mm. And if you uh, if you ask for it and apply for it um, and you meet the criteria, you're going to get it. But I don't think it sits that well with people when it's these well, community groups. Yeah, so Shane Jones was just recently down on the West Coast, you know, talking to the community, talking to business leaders, saying, hey, we want your proposals. You know, we want to try and get, you know, the, the regions pumping. Mm. Um, that's the whole point of this fund. And so... Well, but you know. should it be religious groups? And that's the that's the interesting thing that it brings up because, yep, they do good things in the community and they're employing people and, and things like that. Yeah. So why shouldn't they in that way? But on the flip side, yep. they are an isolated community as well. So it's a 
Yeah. It's a really it, interesting issue. And they, they already actually have, you know, some pretty successful long-standing businesses. Uh, I think they've got, you know, Dairy Operation, Deer Velvet, I understand. They run a small airline as well. Um, you know, they're not novices here, you know. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was really interesting. One of the interviews we shot for that was with the um, former resident of Gloria Vale, who was saying, well, hey, if this is going to bring in jobs to the area, um, and, and she said she'd want to make really sure, you know, that... Um, you know, that people were being paid properly and stuff because she was saying Gloria Vale people basically work as volunteers sort of, you know, as part of that community. But she was saying, hey, if it's going to benefit the community, then, you know, sure, go for it. Um, but, you know, you'd want to have safeguards in, in, in around there. But I guess what's interesting in, on that point mm. is that it's a community that chooses to isolate itself um, and run its own systems and be part of its own exclusive community. And then yet it's, some, it's asking for something from the white... It's asking to be part of... The, um, the consideration for this provincial growth fund. So it almost doesn't make sense. They almost want to do it themselves and do it independently their way, yeah. but want this help that's on offer as well. So, yeah, yeah. interesting. This is going to be um, fascinating what sort of advice I think that Shane Jones gets from his officials about this one. Yes. Um, whether they say, uh, yeah, go for it or not. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Um, the other thing that is happening this week is Winston Peters is wrapping up his last day as acting Prime Minister. Where has the time gone? Um, and we're doing our round of interviews um, with the Prime Minister later in the week about mm. her coming back to work as well. So it's kind of been, it, it's been a really interesting chapter for New Zealand politics, um, having Winston Peters as our acting PM. How do you think he's done? Well, I think I've noticed a few things. One is, you know, like the weekly postcab um Press conference. They're pretty short. He's affairs. done them though. <laughs> yeah, he, he's done them, but they're they're all over quite quickly. And um, you know, he sort of just gets through his work there and and heads off. You know, I think he's done pretty well in terms of you know the the weekly media frontings and stuff like that. You know, he's he's been good value there. He's been slightly nuanced in the way that he's answered questions. That's one of the things that I think we've noticed a difference. You, you have to be all encompassing with your questions to him. Um, mm. Otherwise, you know, he doesn't throw you a bone or anything. Yeah. And so there have been a f few frustrations like that behind the scenes. But at the same time, the public don't see that. And a few journalists griping over a few questions not answered properly, that's never, you know, that's not of interest to anyone except for us. So mm. I think, <clears throat> yeah, I think that he's, I don't think we thought that it was going to be terrible, but we knew that he would be statesmanlike and we knew that he would take the job seriously. But I think we thought we might not get as much access and we might um, have a few more issues. Or, or, you know, he might, you know, implode or explode or, you know, a whole range of sort of predictions, weren't there? Yeah, um, and it just kind of yeah. has ticked along um, yeah. reasonably. Well, I mean, I'd have to say question time's probably been a bit more fiery and a bit more um, mm. a bit more of a, a Winston Peters show. But, um, you know, the Prime Minister will come back and slot back into it and it, I'm sure she'll have a full-on busy week of announcements and things like that, wanting to prove... Yeah that she's back in and back in control. He didn't seem to take too kindly to the um, barbs that were thrown his way at the um, National Party conference, no, did he? No, a little bit sensitive. That's yeah. so shocking. Yeah, it was, what was <laughs> yeah. it, whiskey-swilling, double-breasted something. There was a um, quite a provocative yeah. quote yeah. said by the National Party president. And he, he did dare um, Peter Goodfellow to say it again, didn't he? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, 
he wasn't too keen on doing that yesterday. No. Mm. So we shall see. But, you know, it's just this political theatre and I yeah. guess their anger having to be directed somewhere and it's being directed Winston Peters' way. Mm. Um, but instead of brushing it off and ignoring it, our acting Prime Minister chose to to climb into it. And yeah. just um, the reason that the Prime Minister's coming back early, um, Winston Peters, as Foreign Minister, has been grounded for the last five weeks, effectively, and he's actually off to Singapore um, at midnight on Wednesday, um, depending on when you're watching this. So because of that, the Prime Minister has to come back on Thursday rather than on the Monday. So, I mean, it's quite a big deal that he's stayed behind for yeah. this you know, stayed in New Zealand for this long, but he's now got to head off and, and do this. So that's the reason she's coming back a bit earlier. Mm. So And she'll be based in Wellington for the first She will be based right? in Wellington. Yep. So um, the Prime Minister obviously lives in Auckland um, yep. and usually she'll spend um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and some of Monday afternoon here. Um, sorry, Tuesday, Wednesday and some of Monday afternoon and she usually goes back on Thursdays, but she'll be based here at yep. Premier House um, with Clark and Neve, and we'll be doing trips, you know, day trips to Auckland back and forth. So, yeah, um, it, this it's a whole new chapter of um, juggling motherhood and into a prime ministerial show. and leading the country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it will it will be mm. a very interesting time. <laughs> hey, it was great to have you guys with us. This was Inside Parliament, our weekly catch up about the political stories we've been covering on One News. Uh, it's available every Thursday or even tonight. It'll be a Wednesday on the uh, One News Facebook page. And check us out on your favourite podcasting app. Yeah.